With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Direct from the Broski Nation headquarters in Los Angeles, California, this is the Broski Report with your host, Brittany Broski. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Broski Report, starring me, your host, Brittany Broski, the host of the Broski Report with Brittany Broski. So on, I think last week's episode, I talked about how I want to do an entire episode based on Rosalia and how I feel like She's kind of like when I say I love an artist, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, yes, they're so hot. Or like, yes, I love that one song. This is going to be an academic dissection of Rosalia's first two albums. And I, you're not clicking away. You're not allowed to click away, actually, because I just said, OK, you're not allowed to listen to something else. You started this episode. and You're going to finish it or I'm going to be mad. And you don't want you don't want me to be mad at you because guess what? That when I'm mad at you, you're like, <laughs> when I'm mad at you, you won't even know because I'm so mad at you. I won't even tell you what's going to happen. So I really need you guys to listen because if you've watched any of my art history videos, like trust and believe when there is a reason on an academic level that I like something, I really want to share it with you guys and try to explain it in a way that if you've never thought about it like that before, maybe you didn't know the backstory, like I'm here to share that. So I would love to do that today with one of my top three favorite, one of my idols, Rosalia. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about her online. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about her music and where she draws inspiration from. And I want to talk about all of it because I am such a fan and I will die on that hill. So let's get into it. Let's, let's, I'm here. Okay. And so you better have your notepad out because there will be a test at the end. So obviously if you're not a fan uh, or just kind of indifferent towards her, the goal here is to bring you to the light side, so to speak, to show you instead of like, to keep telling you that I think she's a genius. So like I said, we're going to go through her discography and kind of like who she is as a person and her background. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. So Rosalia, AKA La Rosalia, AKA Rosalia Vilatoella is from Barcelona, Spain. She, uh, off the bat, I think is the true definition of a technical artist. She both writes and produces her own music, um, both for herself and for other artists. I think what's most interesting about her um, is that people don't know how to categorize her music. It's very genre bending, which is something I also love about the 1975 is you want to call them a rock band so bad, but like, they're not like, they're not, there's so much more than that. And there's so much more complexity to the art they create. And I think that Rosalia deserves a similar level of respect. Rosalia mixes traditional flamenco with pop, mixed with trap, mixed with hip hop, with acoustic love ballads, with a beautiful blend of all different types of Latin music. And somehow it comes together so cohesively, I would argue, 
um, into a really solid, every single album is a very solid concept and experience. And she's very experimental and she's not afraid to take risks, which I think honestly is very rewarding. She's loved Spanish folk music since she was like 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, she studied musicology at Catalonia College of Music, and she completed her studies with honors by virtue of her collaborative cover album with Raúl Refri, which was named Los Angeles. That was her first album. And then her baccalaureate project, El Malquered, which I'm sure you've heard maybe Malamente off of. That's one of her like really famous songs. That entire project was her fucking thesis. She did that in school. She delivered one of the most <laughs> impressive conceptual narrative albums, maybe of all time, as a fucking thesis at her college. Hey, she's a psycho. El Malquerer reimagined flamenco by mixing it with pop and hip hop music, like a contemporary sort of electronic flamenco, which is so cool to think about. Also, I'll, I'm gonna warn you guys up front, okay? I had two cocktails at dinner tonight and it is midnight while I'm, when I'm filming this. Okay, you guys didn't need to know that. It's midnight. I had two cocktails and if I cry over some of this, you've been warned. You've been primed and you've been lubed up, okay? Moving on. She has a master's degree in flamenco interpretation and that influence permeates everything she creates. And I think the passion and the heart of flamenco is really at the core of what she does. It's so heart-wrenching and beautiful. And it's one of those things that makes me cry for literally no reason at all. Oh my God. Speaking of which I was <laughs> on TikTok earlier today, uh, when I was supposed to be recording this, I was laying in bed crying, not for nothing happened. I'm just about to start my period. And this video of a ballerina dancer came up on my for you page and she literally was just practicing. And it's this really hard move, I guess that she completely nailed, like she absolutely killed it. And all of her classmates are like, co-ballerinas, co-workers <laughs> were like cheering her on. So, and I just started openly sobbing. Someone talked also on TikTok about how, what is it called? Is there a diagnosis for when you're hearing live music with a bunch of other people and you get the overwhelming urge to cry? <laughs> like, like being in a community, sharing your love for art and music. Anyway, I have that, whatever disease that is. So, before we get into actually dissecting the albums and the songs, which is a favorite part. <laughs> we should talk about how some audiences view her interpretation of flamenco as problematic and potential cultural appropriation, because there is an argument that flamenco music belongs to the Romani people of Andalusia or the Andalusian Peninsula. Um, the Romani people, Los Gitanos, and the argument is that Rosalia is not Gitana. So it's a valid argument. However, the origins of the art form have been difficult to pin down by historians as so many culturally separate varietals practiced by Spanish, Andalusian, and Romani people have all contributed to the modern understanding of flamenco. But the earliest records of cante flamenco or flamenco song date back to the 17th century. So when you're dealing with something as fluid and kind of versatile and, and so subject to interpretation, like a genre of music, this conversation gets kind of, you know, no one's an expert sort of thing. However, 
you do need to listen to a community of people when they're saying, this is my culture and I'm not comfortable with the way that you're, you know, portraying it. But I don't really, I haven't really seen that discourse online. I think that it's more like if there is going to be someone singing flamenco music on the level that Rosalia does internationally and globally, it should be a gitana, you know, like, like it should be someone, I guess, from that culture. But it's also like the use of Spanish traditions and imagery in her art is sparking international interest in Spanish culture and art. And of course, I'm not qualified to speak on the complexities of this matter, but I think it's fair to say human art is meant to be shared and enjoyed because what is art if you can't share your art with other people and have other people feel what you feel through that expression? I think that gatekeeping, especially music, gets us nowhere. And music is one of the most crucial aspects of culture. And I think that it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to have such a deep, passionate, and academic understanding, respect, and love for a genre of music and to share that with the world in her own interpretive way. Because that's what any artist would do. You take your inspirations, your influences, and you reinterpret them in your own way. And so on that side, I, I see nothing wrong with it. But again, I'm not one to sit here and speak on behalf of any community. But from the discourse that I've seen online, I see both sides. So I, I personally, deeply and spiritually love her art. And I, I have a personal connection to it. So do with that what you will. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so to hop into her first oh my god! Okay. It's called Los Angeles. The album talks about death in a dark way with like aggressive flamenco guitar chords and it's just her and her guitar player. And from this album, this isn't really a conceptual album more so as it's just deeply thematic. Like all of the songs kind of are based around the same thing. From this album, you definitely, definitely need to listen to Catalina. Catalina is a reimagination of a much older song from 1926 that tells the story of just deep, deep heartbreak and wanting to kill yourself over love. Like just, there is no other solution than I don't want to be on this fucking planet anymore. And it's so, so heart-wrenching and her vocals on this song always, 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 always make me cry. So maybe you should listen to it. And the song starts with the lyrics. Quítate de mi presencia que me estás martirizando. Get out of my sight for you are torturing me. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try to play this clip because this is her singing completely a cappella. And if we get copyrighted and YouTube snipes me, then like, here's what you need to look up on YouTube when you're not driving or doing whatever. It's um, Rosalia Catalina 
acapella live at ACL 2019. Write that down. Pause it and write it down and go watch it. And I just want to play this one section, which is just, it shows her fucking vocal range. It shows, I could start crying. I'm just going to play it. She drops the mic from her mouth and brings it back. She's still singing. I mean, it just like infuriates me. <laughs> she is so talented. She is so talented. <sighs> if that gets cut out, just know YouTube sniped me. They got they got my dumb ass team. Catalina is one of my favorite Rosalia songs of all time. It's fucking stupid how talented she is. Okay. Now, on to the good stuff, guys. <sighs> Okay, I might need to put my hair up for this because I'm sweating like a grown man. Her second album is called El Malquerid, which is the bad love. And it follows the harrowing, harrowing unraveling of a passionate love that turns into an abusive relationship, both verbally, emotionally, and physically. The album's concept originally served as, like I said, her university thesis, and the narrative draws from the 13th century manuscript named Flamenca, which tells the story of a woman whose jealous husband imprisons her in a tower when he believes her to be cheating. She eventually escapes, but I think that Rosalia's telling of it is just different enough to where it's fucking jarring. Like it is, the first time I listened to it, I was like, what is this? And then I did more of a deep dive and then I read the lyrics and I was like, oh, my God, ooh, ooh, okay, she's a fucking psycho. Psycho positive, not psycho derogatory. So the narrative as it goes on is told from the perspective of both the perpetrator and the victim, usually coming from the perspective of the victim. But I really appreciate that where it's like, you never really know like who's singing and, and you kind of have to use context clues to figure it out. So on El Malquerer, each song is given a capitulo or chapter, and the project as a whole forms a sort of book with 11 chapters in total. I love her so much. Holy shit. Okay. So let's get into it. Capitulo uno, chapter one. And I'll, I'll do the Spanish words and lyrics with the English translations so you can kind of get, because sometimes it's so fucking beautiful in Spanish. It just doesn't translate as perfectly in English, but it's important for the, the meaning, obviously, because not everyone speaks Spanish. I barely speak Spanish. So, capítulo uno, augurio, which means omen, um, is called malamente, which means badly. It starts with this sort of dark omen. So the album opens up with this bad feeling in your gut about this relationship. This woman has a bad feeling about a marriage she's about to enter into. Then we move into the actual marriage, capítulo dos, which is boda, which means wedding. And the title of the song is Que no salga la luna, which translates to 
that the moon doesn't rise. This is one of my favorite songs. I'm fucking, oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It starts with this crazy fast, like one of those, I think it's like a 12 string Spanish guitar that's so insanely, insanely challenging to play. And this whole song really is about the bride being showered in jewelry and gifts and being adorned and being celebrated almost like a little doll, which I interpret to mean, you know, not all that glitters is gold. If you're being showered in jewelry, that love won't last because the shine fades. Just because he's adorning you with these material things does not make him a good man or a good partner or a good companion. It's also like, don't ever let the moon rise from this night because retrospectively, as we know, things really go downhill. As it's going downhill, she's always looking back retrospectively at when that love was good. This night of the wedding when it was like, please don't let the moon rise and let the day come because this night is perfect. And and it's easy to romanticize that, especially in an abusive relationship when it used to be good. Maybe it can be good again. One of the best lines is, it, so it's like she's singing whatever and then it kind of calms down and it's just the palmas, which is the flamenco hands clapping in her voice. And the lyric is, si alguien acá que se oponga que no levante la voz. Which means if someone here objects to this union, don't fucking speak it. Shut your fucking mouth. Another lyric is, her eyes shone like the light reflected from the blade of a knife. Her eyes shone like the light reflected from the blade of a knife. So remember that. Remember that imagery because that knife imagery comes up later in the album. So keep that in your mind. Okay, so we have a bad omen. We have the wedding, beautiful wedding, whatever. They're so in love. Now we're in capítulo tres, which is celos or jealousy. The name of the song is Pienso en tu mira. I think of your look. I I think of of your face, that, that look that you get. After this beautiful, glittering marriage, we see jealousy and worry start to bubble up and start to seep in, you know, through the cracks. The lyrics open with, Me da miedo cuando sales, sonriendo pa' la calle, porque todos pueden ver los oyelitos que te salen. Which is, it scares me when you leave the house, smiling on the street, because everyone can see your cute little dimples, like when you leave. So she's insecure in the marriage and insecure in his sort of wandering eye. This song is so fucking good. I had a phase where for three weeks straight, I only listened to this song all day, every day for three weeks. Like the harmonies, the palmas, it's just like, I literally, I literally, I love her so much. I could actually, okay, I won't cry. I'm not going to cry. It's just like the clapping, the sense, it's, it's just perfect. Okay. So now we see the jealousy creeping in. Now is when it really takes a turn for the worse. We see the sharp decline from love and maybe some doubtful thoughts into a sharp shoot into abuse and how deeply and complexly the two can be related. Conflict and pain and, and jealousy and love and abuse. It's all packaged into this meatball that is... So, so hard to get out of. So now we have capítulo cuatro. Disputa, or dis, disputa, which means argument. 
The title is De Aquí No Sales, which means you don't leave here. This song, this song goes so fucking hard, bitch. The first time I heard it, I was scared. I was so scared. I said, what the fuck is this? What does this mean? It's these intense motorcycle revs and skidding across whatever. And it's her yelling and clapping and these weird chopped up vocals. It's just so intense. I had no idea. And in the context of the larger album, I have chills on my fucking arms. In the context of the album at large, it makes so much sense. It perfectly, perfectly sums up the emotions that both parties feel. This is told from the man's perspective, as is uh, the wedding song. So it's like, oh my God, to sing that song also from the perspective of the abuser, the one who is who's perpetrating, is crazy. What a crazy artistic choice. Okay, so... Not to put it lightly, but he starts hitting her. He starts punching on her, wailing on her. But it, he frames it like most fucking psycho manipulators do. He frames it to be, this hurts him more than it's hurting her. It, it pains him to do this more than it's hurting her. Girl, I fucking hate men. I fucking hate men. Oh my God. Here's the lyrics. Mucho más a mí me duele. De lo que a ti te está doliendo. Conmigo no te equivoque. Con el revés de la mano yo te lo dejo bien claro. Which translates to, this hurts me way more than it hurts you. Conmigo no te equivoque. Don't fucking play with me. Don't mistake me. Con el revés de la mano, with the back of my hand, I'll make it fucking clear to you. Like, like, don't, like, this hurts me to do this more than it hurts you. But with the back of my hand, I'll make it clear how much I mean that. Holy shit, dude. And like I said, this song also incorporates the tires squealing and the motorcycle engines revving as percussion in the song and the beats and the bass. And we see later in Rosalia's discography how much that sort of moto culture of Barcelona, where she's from, how much that really permeates her work and how important that culture is. Her mom and like all of her family members ride motorcycles with like leather jackets and like long hair and the helmets. Like she grew up on motorcycles. How fucking cool is that? So anyway, this song is fucking crazy. And she does a mashup of it live of this song with the crazy whatever mixed with a song from Motomami called Bulerias, which is another just soul flat out flamenco song which is so good the matchup is so good it's my favorite part of the show and it's just like it brings me to tears i wish i could play music this is so like you guys have to you guys have to listen to it (laughs) this sucks (laughs) whatever dude now that we're in sort of the meat of oh shit this has really really taken a turn and you're in shock With any hard reality we don't want to accept or face in life, we end up in a sort of state of denial, which brings us to capítulo 5, chapter 5, called reniego, which translates to I deny, just denial. I deny this is happening. And the title of the song is Lamento, which means lament, like to moan or to wail, to, to sob. The lyrics are basically expressing her crying on the inside but laughing on the outside like any denial um not really letting on that anything is wrong and kind of processing that in private 
the lyrics are como él reniego like him i deny that this is happening maybe it will stop maybe it will stop if i act like it's not real the next song is one of the standouts of the album because this bitch got the fucking green light from justin timberlake to sample cry me a river justin timberlake doesn't give sample approvals to literally anyone also, she takes the melody, the completely like gets rid of the words. It's she's singing in Spanish and it has nothing to do with Crimea River. It's so, so, so good. <laughs> okay. You might have heard this one before, actually, because it's so fucking good. We're now in Capitulo 6, chapter 6. It's called Clausada, which means enclosure. And the title of the song is Preso, which means prisoner. So a prisoner in her jail cell, in her enclosure. Holy, holy shit. I don't know if like, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to, I, I hope not, but I feel like every woman or, or soft-hearted person has a story of when you've been taken advantage of and when you find yourself in a situation where it's like, how the fuck? You know, like, I just, I, I'm trapped and I don't know how to get out. So like I said, she's a prisoner. She can either accept this or attempt to break free. This song is just a, an instrumental with a sort of narration over it. And it's by the Spanish actress, Rosy de Palma. She's speaking over this track and she describes how you don't even realize you're trapped until it's too late. When you look up out of the bottom of the well, so to speak, and, and, and you realize how long you've been trapped here in the dark and you think, how the fuck did I get here? Like, how did I, how did I let this happen? Because it's never, you know, how could he do this to me? How could they do this to me? It's how did I get here? You, like, it's, it's that immediate reaction to blame yourself first. It's kind of what this is, this is about. The lyrics are, Te atrapas sin que te des cuenta. Te das cuenta cuando sales. Piensas, ¿cómo he, cómo he llegado hasta aquí? They trap you without you even realizing. Until you do realize, and you think, how the fuck did I get here? So we move from being a prisoner into... Oh my god, I love this song. I have chills again. <laughs> we move from being a prisoner into... Capitulo Siete, which is called Liturgia, which translates to worship. And the song is called Baghdad. Not Baghdad like the city. This is uh, a famous nightclub in Barcelona. And this sort of represents the descent into hell of the protagonist as the story unfolds. And the previous song discusses this as well. It's like, you don't even realize you're in hell until you start to feel the heat. Here's the lyrics. Pasaban, la miraban, la miraban sin verna. Solita en el infierno, en el infierno, en el infierno está atrapa. Y se va a quemar si sigue ahí. She's going to burn if she stays here. So that says, pasaban, la miraban. They, they are walking by her. They see her. They're watching her cry and be fucking miserable. And they walk by and act like nothing's happening. You see it happening, but you choose to walk on. Solita en el infierno, alone in hell. 
en el infierno está atrapada. She's trapped in hell. Y se va a quemar si sigue ahí. She's gonna burn if she stays there. Bitch. Capítulo 8. Éxtasis. Ecstasy. The title is Di Mi Nombre, which means say my name. Bitch, this one. <laughs> This one, I just have so many words. I don't need, okay, let me, let me. <laughs> okay. This one is very erotic, right? Because this sort of relationship is so complex and so toxic. And it's erotic because this basically sums up the power of sex in an abusive relationship, how it can be used to control each other in a certain sense. Cause that's such a primal desire. All emotion and logic go out of the window. It's really focusing in on how you can fucking hate someone so much, but at your core, you want them, which sounds a lot like misogyny to me. All right. Hey guys, heard this one before. Hey guys, clap twice. If you know that one, where you want someone so bad, you hate them so much, but you want them so bad. And in my mind, I see this as almost like a last ditch effort at making it work. Like, was there ever really love here? And if there was, maybe for a minute, maybe for 30 seconds, we can recreate that love and try to rekindle what we had, whatever spark was there before it all went south. Uh, and we can try to recreate it in the only way that we know how, which the only way that every time usually works. Here's the lyrics. Di mi nombre, pon tu cuerpo contra el mío, y que lo malo sea bueno, e impuro lo bendecido. Say my name, put your body against mine, and make the bad be good. Like taint, like taint the blessed, Im impure the blessed, the blessed. Say my name, put your body against mine. Holy shit. Like there's a power in speaking each other's names and like electroshocking each other back. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Holy shit, I love her. Okay, so we have this really erotic, you know, there's a, there's a lyric about, Tie me to the bed frame with your hair and, and, you know, let's make love and let's try, just, just try. And so the next song is so much more heart wrenching when that is the predecessor, when that, when that's the, the stepping stones that have been laid. I think honestly, like this is the most heart wrenching song on the fucking album. And like, no one ever talks about it. Capitulo nueve, concepcion, conception, which means of course, pregnancy. And the song is called Nana. So the unimaginable has happened. She is now pregnant with her abuser's child. This is her singing this heart-wrenching, like, just this can't be happening. This heart-wrenching lullaby to this poor innocent, beautiful byproduct of something so, so cursed. And it's not explicit, but I think that 
this is my interpretation, which makes it even sadder. I think this is kind of how I interpreted the lyrics and, and the song, which is so much fun. Uh, what I think happened is that she's pregnant and she lost the child, which depending on how you look at that, which one is worse? Like, I'm not sure which is worse having that child, which is a way to make something beautiful of something so terrible, having a second chance truly at something so terrible. But at the same time, you're bringing that child into a cruel world where that fucking monster is its father. So it's like, girl, you can't win. I think either, either way you can't win. And then on top of that, you know, I, I think how I interpreted it is she loses the child. So it's like, Maybe you come to terms with the fact that, okay, I'm going to have this child and I'm going to make the best of it. And then after you've come to that realization and that acceptance and you're moving on, you lose it? Holy fuck. So now, I mean, my interpretation aside, she's pregnant. Now with this child in the picture, she no longer has the option to remain inactive and to be a passerby, to be a victim, you know, of of what's happened to her, this scenario that she's actively living through. She now has something to motivate her. We sometimes care about other things more than ourselves or our own lives even. So she can either stay in this personal hell forever, or she can try to break free, even if it fucking kills her. So next is capítulo 10, cordura, which means sanity, sense. Like she's had the sense knocked into her. And the title of the song is Maldición, which means curse. So she's woken up. She has woken up out of this almost slumber that maybe her body and her brain have put her into as a defense mechanism of this isn't happening, this isn't happening. Oh my God, it's happening. The lyrics are, Me han dicho que no hay salida. Yo la tengo que encontrar aunque me cueste la vida. Aunque tenga que matar. Holy, holy shit, bitch, holy shit. Me han dicho que no hay salida. They've told me there's no exit. But I have to find one. Even if it costs me my life or I have to kill him. There's chills all over my body. Can you see that? There's literally chills. So do you remember back when we were talking about the wedding? We were still on our wedding night. And there was that lyric about her eyes shone like the reflection of light from the blade of a knife. And there's kind of like an, a sound effect of a knife being unsheathed. That's in the wedding song. In this song, now eight songs later, when she's finally woken the fuck up and she has some sense about her, there's these knife sounds and slicing sounds and fighting grunts like of her killing him, bitch. <laughs> Which is a clear callback to the second song when he says her eyes shine like light from the blade of a knife. Are you joking? What he once used to compliment her of like, oh, how her eyes shone. She's now fucking... Damn. Here are some of the lyrics. Oh my God. I need a tattoo for this song, actually. I just decided. Here are the lyrics. He dejado un reguero de sangre por el suelo. He dejado un reguero que me lleva al primer día que te dije que te quiero. I've left a trail of blood on the floor. 
I've left a trail that leads me to the first day that I told you that I loved you. I've left a trail of blood on the floor that leads me to the first day that I told you that I loved you. Are you, dude? That's just, that's stupid as fuck. (laughs) That's how I feel. Oh my God, we're going to do a whole episode like this on Hosier. That sort of lyric, it's just like, I don't think there's anyone smarter on the planet. (laughs) Some of the forward thinking minds in science, they could never write something like that. Einstein, forget about it. He could never write. He dejado un reguero de sangre por el suelo. He could never fucking do that, girl. There's just like this level of poetry, of, of, of polish and poetry. And the wording is just so, I can't even, I have no words. So now she's killed him, right? That's what, that's what we're to assume. She has reclaimed her power. She has killed him. She's slain the monster. Don't know where the kid is, right? I think she lost the child. Maybe she still has the child. Never mentions it again. Now the grand finale. We land on this meditation on power. Capítulo 11. Poder, which means power. The title is A Ningún Hombre, which means no man. Rosalia's retelling ends on this defiant edge. The album closer opens with the lyric, I won't allow any man to dictate my sentence. Remember, because she talked about how she was a prisoner. She was trapped and she was in an enclosure. She was in hell. She won't allow any man to dictate her sentence or judge her unless it's fucking Jesus Christ himself. One of the lyrics that I'm, I'm obsessed with. And from the moment I heard it and understood it, I was like, oh... My God. Voy a tatuarme en la piel. Tu inicial porque es la mía. Pa acordarme para siempre de lo que me hiciste un día. I'm going to tattoo on my skin your initial because it's mine. Your initial that you gave me, it's mine. I will forever wear that scar. To remind myself for forever what you did to me that day. I will remind myself every single fucking day what you put me through and that I survived it. Hey, I have chills again on my whole entire body. What the actual fuck is wrong with her? What is wrong with her? That is crazy. I'm spitting everywhere. That's crazy. I love her. And that's how the album ends. That's how the album, that's it. And then it's over and I'm supposed to just, Listen to something else. (laughs) Hey, what do you mean? I just like albums like this or even Preacher's Daughter by Ethel Kane. It's like, I get how some people can casually listen to it. But when you take a deep dive nose head first into the actual like heart wrenching, whatever, that is how I, I feel like the people who wait barricade for the 1975, for Harry, for Rosalia, for Ethel Kane. There is such a deep, deep, deep spiritual connection with this sort of art, I think. And I think that I wish I could make every single person understand that this is Rosalia to me. 
this beautiful and experimental and heart-wrenching and storytelling nature of what she does. I want people to hear that and to respect her for that and what an absolute masterpiece this is other than Biscochito or that TikTok song, you know, because she can do both. And that's the beauty of it. That is the beauty and what makes an actual true artist is you can do it all. Range, range. Her visual work is what really draws people in. So if you don't understand what she's saying, obviously, because not everyone speaks Spanish, she considers the visual element of her art a crucial way of communication between the artist and the consumer, which I think is also so fucking important when you're not singing in English, you know, for any international artist, because for whatever fucking reason, colonialism and imperialism, probably, you know, English is the way to top the charts. You have to be number one in America and in the UK. Like it, that's just how it works. And I think it's so bold and brave to refuse that. Um, as a lot of Latin artists are doing now, you know, like I'm going to actually sing in Spanish and there's not going to be a single fucking English word in the song. And it's still going to go number one. I think that's so cool, first of all. And second of all, such a defiant, interesting thing. Rosalia really, like, supplements that. She'll throw some English words in there. You know, maybe the chorus is in English or whatever, but it's still a Spanish-language song. But the visual element is really what the girls die for because it's so good. Also, hey, just really quick. Oh, my God, I need to talk about her tattoo. You know I am... I'll get a tattoo for anything, okay? If you say a funny joke, I'll be like, damn, I need to get that tattooed. But also at the same time, my tattoos really, really, really mean a lot to me and they remind me of my favorite things. And yeah, I have a Mota Mami tattoo right there, okay? And yeah, it's a little crusty and peeling. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it, okay? I wouldn't worry about it. You guys are worried for no reason. Okay, her tattoo. Listen to this. Rosalia has a garter belt buckle tattooed on her left thigh in reference to a 1970 body art performance by Valley Export. In the tattoo, the garter appears as a symbol of a past slavery, the dress as the suppression of sexuality, the garter as an attribute of a femininity not determined by ourselves. Let me read that one more time. The dress as the suppression of sexuality the garter as an attribute of a femininity not determined by ourselves. The patriarchy, the male gaze. We, we as women don't get to define the terms of our own femininity, of our, our own womanhood, because it has been preset for us. There is a mold that you need to fit or you won't, you're not desirable. You won't make it. You won't fit in. You're not good. She like the completely, you know, throwing that ideology out the window is really, it, it's so, oh my God, I love her. A social ritual that covers one of the physical needs, the opposition of our culture to the body is clear. The garter as a sign of belonging to a class that demands a specific behavior becomes a memory. That's from Spanish Vogue, by the way. Credit to the author, Alexandra Lores beautifully beautifully said the whole album there the whole um article is really great and her nail she always has super long nails which she's described them as an exhibition of radical femininity an exhibition and a celebration of radical femininity i love that radical because it is radical 
you know, like in this, in, 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 I mean, speaking from personal experience, like how I grew up, it is radical to dress how you want and to love yourself openly, you know, without having to qualify it as, you know, I've struggled with insecurities and now I finally learned to love myself. And yeah, I am beautiful. You shouldn't have to qualify it. Yes. Know that you are beautiful. No, just hit my microphone. I'm, I'm screaming and punching everything, knocking over cups and spitting on stuff. You should never have to qualify something positive about yourself, especially when it comes to your femininity or your womanhood or your identity, how you identify. It's just such a God. So yeah, it is a radical celebration of femininity as it fucking should be. Okay, this is part one. I'm doing a part two because fuck you bitches. I don't care. This is my podcast. I want to talk about Rosalia for 87 episodes. I'm going to do it because guess what? I love her. And all of you guys, actually, hey guys, hear ye. New law change. If you don't like Rosalia after this episode, get out. Okay? You got to get out. Even if you don't listen to her music, if you don't want to listen to her music, just respect what she's done here as an artist in this one concept album. That is all I'm asking is to be like, holy shit, that's actually really great. That's all I want. That's all I want. She's literally my hero. She's one of my idols. She has influenced me in so many ways of how to think about myself, how to reimagine how I view relationships with men, relationships with people in my life. She's like Harry in the sense that you never see a video of, you know, Rosalia diva moments, Rosalia being a bitch. You never see that about Harry and you never see it about Rosalia. So I think that that's really, really, really something to be admired, especially in this industry where people are kind of out to make you look bad and they want to see you fall. Um, You won't see that. You won't see that from Harry. Harry will never, ever, ever give you bad content. So, Rosalia either. I love her so much. And I think I'm going to do Multa Mami next episode. So, I love you guys so much. And thank you for listening and for indulging me. Because I have wanted to talk about Rosalia for a long time. And on my second account on TikTok, I always, you know, I, I make you guys suffer through what I'm liking that moment. And I think it's so fun because... A lot of the time I'll, I'll sit there and I'll talk about, oh, I'm in, I love this or I'm watching that. And then a lot of people know it, especially if I'm reading a book, they're like, oh, bestie, wait till you get to this chapter, wait till this. So that's fun to like talk to people who get it and can play along. And, you know, it's so easy to find a community of people with shared interests. But this is one of those things where it's like, I, I want to be, if you've never taken her seriously like let me be the one to explain academically and in a detailed fashion why she is incredible okay um that's all i'm gonna shut the fuck up now love you guys please rate this podcast five stars go ahead and give us a like on youtube give us a subscribe on um um what's it called spotify (laughs) i had two cocktails okay cocktails I some dick and cocktails. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want, whatever you listen on, whatever you choose. Maybe you guys can come sit in the studio with me. Okay. You guys can just all sit on the floor and we can do a live taping. Okay. Only like three of you guys though, because it gets hot in here with a lot of breath happening, a lot of breathing. So, all right. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on part two of Rosalia. Bye-bye.